It's go time. Welcome, everyone, to Quick Kicks here on Third Down Gamble. I'm Don Charbon along with Heath Graham. And tonight, a special guest from TSN, Jamie Rydell, who is producer of the CFL on TSN and golf at TSN. Jamie, welcome to the program. Thanks, guys. Pleasure to be here. It's awesome to have you. Now, let's get to know you. Where did you grow up? Where Where did you get your start in life? Well, I'm, uh, I'm born and raised in Kitchener, Ontario area, uh, which is uh, for people that don't know. It was about an hour west of Toronto. I uh, still live there. I've uh, I've never left. Um, I used to commute when I started at TSN, and uh, now I pretty much put on work at home, except when I'm doing shows at the studio. So played sports my whole life, followed sports my whole life. My dad was a big sports fan. Me and my brothers played, me and my brother played sports all growing up. Hockey, baseball, basketball, everything. Uh, a little bit of flag football, never played tackle or touch football golf i play I, I played golf growing up still do yeah it's uh you know getting the job at tsn was pretty much a dream job considering i followed sports my whole life and how did that come about i, I went to conestoga college so i went to uh, their broadcasting program uh which is uh, an excellent program and i happened to apply the the guy who was in charge of our tv mike de was his name he brought me a sheet that was being passed around the tsn had a internship program um it was called the best it was an acronym for something i don't remember what and i applied and i got it in uh september of 96 i did two months internship at tsn in my last year of college it's my third year uh pretty much knew i was probably going to get hired when i graduated in april and that happened i started in april of 97 at uh, TSN in the newsroom, started there on Sports Desk back then, uh, not Sports Center. Yeah, it's a long time ago. I've been at, and then I've just kind of done a bunch of different jobs going through. I did features for a bit at TSN, worked on TSN Extra, which was a show that was was kind of a reporter's show with features um, until I was offered the gig of golf in 2004. So I started doing majors around 2002, but I started doing the masters in 2004. And then uh, CFL was 2009 uh, when we got, it was the second year after we got all the games, the rights to show all the games. Uh, They added a second studio producer and that was me and been doing that ever since. When you were at college, was it your focus to become a producer? I I initially wanted to be on air. I did some on-air work for local Rogers and stuff like that, but you know, I took the first job. Like, honestly, I was just about to send my resume. I probably would have started working at the local Rogers TV, uh, doing a whole bunch of jobs. Cause, uh, when we were in college, part of our, part of our course was to work for them. We did a whole, like you worked in every area, every area of television, cameras, audio, uh, directing, technical directing, uh, reporter. We did a whole bunch of stuff in that. And I did want to be on air, but then I started at TSN and then Jim Thompson, who was a former boss at TSN, he was there at my final year graduation ceremony, um, presenting me with the certificate for the TSN Best Program. And he said, "If you, he said, go and do on air right away, because the further you get behind the scenes, the harder it is to 
to do that. And he was right. Had a great career. And it's been a long time at TSN. I'm 27 years at TSN in April, which is crazy. It's been a great ride. Now, growing up in Southern Ontario, uh, was the CFL part of your sports fandom as a kid? And was it Tiger Cats or Argos at that time? My dad, well, it was mostly Argos. My dad wasn't the biggest CFL fan. He was more an NFL guy. So we watched a lot of NFL together. But again, occasional games on the CFL. Did go to a couple Argo games here and there. But it was mostly Argos. Argos household, of course, Great Cups were, you know, there were parties all the time for Great Cups that my parents would take us to and everything. And I knew the CFL and watched it. But it wasn't like my priority. Even just before I got the job at TSN, I, I had, uh, you know, I had a mild interest in the CFL. But you know, I, they wanted me to help produce. And you know, once you immerse yourself into it, you guys know, it's a fun league. It's a fantastic league. Um, I've grown to love it. There are some things that we all want to change about it. You know, I've I've done a lot of things with a lot of sports. CFL football players appreciate i think for the most part appreciate you covering them there's a lot of great players over the years and and it's a great little league right it's it is what it is what it is it's not the nfl and never will be but it is it has its own little niche in the football community and an important one because it really is the only one that survived the test of time out of every other football league that comes around so i've really enjoyed my I guess if I do the math, 2009, 15 years, crazy. Now, do you see interest in the CFL growing, especially south of the border? I know they've had a few television contracts and streaming contracts over the last couple of seasons. Do you have any any kind of finger on the pulse of, of how that looks? I think it's. I think people start to notice it. Every time you get a guy that's gone to one of the big schools, you know, the big power five conferences in the NCAA, like those are the guys that get, that garner the interest for people. Um, but it's funny when I'm down at golf events, how many times there was a producer that worked in New York who we, I talked every time I was down there at a PGA championship or US open that he was there. We talked CFL football all the time. They loved it. There were like two or, two or three of them. There's a couple, every once in a while, there's a fan that knows exactly they'll see TSN and they'll be like, and they'll start talking CFL. You know, again, it's going to be what it is. I don't know what the U.S. ratings are. I think CBS was pretty happy with how how it went the first year, first year with their contract um, on CBS Sports Network. You know, again, it's a fun league. Like when they had the when they had the slogan "No lead is safe," it's actually true that you really can be down twenty one points with eight minutes left and come back and win a game. I, you can't always say that for the NFL. If nothing, if 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 nothing of a bad game, if it's a bad game, at least you're getting a good finish for the most part. You know, at least close finishes. There's tons of them because you're never really out of it. It's funny. It's it's hard. Oh, unless you were the Argos in the in the East final, they were finally out of it. But even at this, even like even the start of the second half, they weren't out of it. So that's what makes the league fun, in my opinion, is that you're going to get a big play here or two that's going to change the course of the game and flip the momentum. And it is the the flow of the game as well. One one thing right. that I think frustrates CFL fans that watch NFL is the after the two minute warning, if you've got the ball in a first down, it's pretty much game over. Whereas we just keep running plays and the way the clock operates, it, it must be a an exciting time from the production 
aspect of it as well, just knowing that all eyes are on and, and crazy things can happen. That short play clock, you know, when it's not 40 seconds and the, and, the, and the three downs, right? So you can't just kneel three times and hope. The three downs and the shorter play clock makes for action in the last three minutes. It's what makes the league great, that, that aspect of it. Producing CFL on TSN, what do people come to you to ask you to do? I essentially run the entire content portion of the CFL on TSN on digital, uh, some social sports center, our preview shows. So I'm, I'm basically the lead studio guy. I have, an, I have another, I have another producer, Troy White, who does a, a few other things, but he, he's also my partner planning everything uh, that we do CFL wise for TSN year round, which it is now a year round thing. Like it, it never used to be, but it is now like, when the Great Cup ends, you have a little bit of a lull, but then free agency, you're starting to you're starting to worry about building up some stuff for free agency, and and then the combine comes up, and then the draft, and then we're right at the start of the season. So it's it really is a, a year round thing, and we treat it that way. Obviously, there is some downtime in the off season with CFL content, but you just there's little things here and there. Once free agency starts, then you start getting a little bit more content. We'll have a little bit of draft content. We do the draft. We have a couple guys going to the combine. We'll do a couple things there. And then once once the draft is done, training camps are basically starting. So we're ramping up our our preseason preview shows. Uh, so basically everything, Troy and I, we run that content and build that content uh, for all the shows, all the studio shows. Are, are you in studio every game day? Not every game day. We split the games. Monday to Friday, we're on calls and planning meetings. And now, you know, with, with the, the gambling and everything, we do calls with them. we got content calls all through the week. We're uh, assigning duties to do for everything. We've gotten pretty good the last few years of at least doing a couple of items every day. At least if you have one or two new items that at least go digital, not everything goes to sports center, but everything's on digital. It gets shared out socially. And then our, we have, we have some social guys on our bar down team, Luca and Thomas, who've been doing this huddle up show and they're they're involved in CFL and they're a different way of doing it, which is good. And they're great guys and they love the CFL and they try and bring in a younger audience, which is what we're trying to do, which is what everybody's trying to do. And I think it's working. I think I think the, the audience has gotten younger because I've I've said it for a while that the CFL missed my generation a little bit. I think for me. Uh, just in my personal experience and my friends, I don't know if they didn't appeal to us or if it's just it, a lot of it is parents, right? Like if if you're in if you're in Regina, it's all passed down, right? That's why Rider that's why Rider Nation is so strong because it's all passed down. Fathers watch it to their sons and daughters, and and it keeps going down the generations. That didn't happen with me, and so we have to capture those kids. Ever since I've been on the CFL and TSN, it's been that that effort to try and find. Find items that we can do that appeal to everybody and and entertain people because that's essentially what we're in. We're in the entertainment business. We talk about a lost generation, and I know Chris Cuthbert has said part of the reason why he became an Ottawa, well, at that time, Rough Rider fan was because the Argos and the Ticats were blacked out. Right. So how do you catch up with the league if you can't see the games on TV? Obviously better now because every game's on television. That wasn't always the case. Broadcast isn't everything. You have to you have to introduce stars. Everything is star driven, and if you get the stars and you bring the stars to the people, 
that watch the content. And I, I think gambling will help the CFL in the end because younger people are gambling. And if you have a solid platform there, it makes you want to watch the games. And especially, especially in CFL games, like you, they flip on a dime. So like I, if you're, if you're doing fantasy or if you're betting like that's, I think a lot of the NFL's power is fantasy. Everybody's in a fantasy football league. And if you're not, you may not watch it. Everybody's in it. The CFL could be better fantasy wise. And then the gambling will start like that stuff just brings in. If, if you're, if you're, if you got some action on the game, you may pay attention to the game. And then you watch the next game. Maybe not even if you're if you're betting on it or not. That's the whole thing. That's you know it's what they tried to do with Thursday night football is try and bring the kids in and do concerts and everything like that. And it worked a little bit. So I think I think the progress is is getting there. And I think you see more kids. I you know I've been out to stadiums and you see more young kids at, at games, and that's good. That's good for everything. It's good for our audience. It's good for revenue for the CFL and all the teams. What would you say is the biggest difference in how people consume content now, as opposed to when you started with the CFL 15 years ago? Is it really social media driven or is it just kind of streaming? I think it's a lot like it's getting that way. Like my kids are never going to have a cable package ever. They stream, they don't watch live television. My children don't watch live television. My children are 17, 15 and 13. We don't watch live television anymore. So you have to find those ways. Social is a big thing. You know, everybody's streaming games. So that's got to keep going. Obviously, we still, there's still people that watch it on television, on TSN. And it's just, you got to be more creative. You got to produce content that can go five or six different ways instead of maybe one or two. That's the big challenge. And, and things that capture you right away, because the attention span of people nowadays is, is so different than it was when, when we were kids. If you don't catch capture them right away, they're gone. So you gotta you gotta have something that's snappy to keep them interested. Let's get back to the actual CFL on TSN production. Now, weekend's over, the Sunday night game is done. Monday morning, what are you guys doing? What are you talking about? How are you planning for the next week? What goes through your minds and who gets what assignments? Yeah, Monday we're, you know, Troy and I talk every day about almost every day you know we do take days off at times one of us is working the weekend games and and one of us is doing everything else so we're on calls we're on content calls with with the panelists uh we're on content calls with other producers planning out what we want to do for the week you know a lot of a lot of the last couple years it's been highlighting big games and just hammering that game for the whole week that's that's kind of what what we've been doing like the you know, it didn't turn out to be something, but an example of that was when the Argos and Bombers were playing week 16 or 17, whatever it was, we hammered that game. And then Chad Kelly was told they took, they said he wasn't playing. So, but we still, that was the, that was the content. Like when Winnipeg and BC were playing early in the season for first place, or I guess middle of the season, you know, those were the games that we were hammering that mean something. A lot of it is trying to figure out where we want to go. You know, we we do a CFL spotlight, which is it's not a straight FanDuel thing, but it's a it's a FanDuel thing with information. So our like our philosophy on that is to not really pump the line, but give the information. Try and be as natural as possible about giving information. 
you know, but it does shine a spotlight on players in the league that we need that need to be shined the light on. For example, like Brady Oliveira when he was going well, when he started off going well. Any chance we can pump him or Chad Kelly or Eugene Lewis or Vernon Adams, you know, any of those guys, you got to – that's what we try and do with that segment is to try and tell a good story and highlight a, a player that's really going well right now. But those meetings happen, you know, we're pretty much on calls Monday, Tuesday. We have, we edit stuff every day. We have editing every day uh, to try and do content from Monday to Sunday on Sports Center or at least on digital. So it's a, it's a beast. Like it's, it's a lot of work. And especially during the playoff time and Great Cup, like it just ramps up even more. But we're pretty much, we're pretty much planning all through the week. And then we got the shows on the weekend. Um, because when we don't have the panel together for a, for a game, we have to come up with other ideas. So sometimes we'll, sometimes Troy and I will talk on a on the last day of the of the of the week. So Sundays in the summer, and we'll sit, we'll tape something that we could use Monday or Tuesday, that's relevant to the next to the next week when we have the panel with us. Otherwise, it's individual little it's individual little voiced voice segments or they tape stuff from home. Like that's the beauty of it. Like we're doing right here. Like the beauty of it now is we can do things from home. Most of our guys have equipment at home or, or ways to do it. That's how we do a lot of our stuff. Like Milt does a bunch of stuff for us every week from Atlanta before he comes up to Toronto. Uh, Davis is at home. Matt's at home. It's pretty crazy what we can do now with the technology that we have. Let's talk a little bit about the panel and during game broadcasts, what goes on with the, with the panel in studio when the game's going on, what kind of preparation for halftime and post-game notes is involved? Yeah, every, you know, before the game, we have a little production meeting, especially for pre-games when we're doing little quick ons where it's eight minute kickoff, you know, we will still talk and then we have a plan at halftime. They all have a, a lineup or a script um that we wanted to do for the week or for the day so at halftime it's the guys are charting their charting plays writing down stuff um and trying to find interesting tidbits that they can do for halftime that we can build our little roles for them when they're when we're analyzing the game as it as it happens and a lot of times they're communicating with me any any uh plays that they want and then i relay it to our guys in tape and we have great producers and tape that, that, and great tape ops that put together those roles. If they want to draw something up, um, we have technology for that. It's not a, it's not a telestrator, but it's, it's called a libero. It's just basically a computer that we have a guy there waiting to do, waiting to draw up plays. And you can do, you know, it's got all, it's got a lot of all the regular tools that you see on any broadcast football broadcast with where, whether you're, spotting a spot shadowing a guy or whether you're actually moving them you can take them and move them you can rotate the rotate the thing so it's a little bit more it's a little bit more produced if we really want to go over a play that was important in the or 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 teach we do those so we may do one or two of those in a halftime you never know but it all depends on what's going on but you know again if if vernon adams is coming back from injury and he's playing his first game he's the focus so there's always focuses. There's always things we're looking at. I always listen to what they say before the game because what they say before the game, it's always nice to follow that up. We do a, we do a thing we call key matchups 
uh, generally right before kickoff. And if one of those key matchups is is coming coming into play in that first half, we should highlight that because that's something we were telling the fans to look out for. And hey, it came, it happened right here in the first quarter. Bang bang. And however, what Eugene Lewis, we know he can. We know he's great at jump balls. Look, you know, we said that it would be hard for this DB to to match up with him. And if it happened, we've got to follow that up. You know, it's a lot of we try and be story driven as much as we can in a game, as well as as analyze any plays. And and of course, philosophy is if you're if you're not entertaining people, then what are we doing? Like the NBA and TNT guys are the best for the reason, for a reason. They are, they educate you and they entertain you. And we try, I think, I think our guys do that, or our panel does that as good as anybody in North American sports. You know, it's it's a philosophy for us, and Kate's great at that. Kate and I have this similar ways to think of things how we can just subtly throw throw in a little bit of a little bit of fun and and the energy that she brings is phenomenal and she she is really great at those little things about even taking digs at guys as we're going to break and all that stuff she's really great at that and that's and that's what makes that's what makes the the panel pretty entertaining she's a big part of that she definitely keeps Davis and Milt on their toes. She uh, she's pretty quick to to throw things their way and get them fired up. Yeah, exactly. And 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 again, like my philosophy is, you got to try stuff. And if it doesn't, not everything's going to work. We all know that. Like, but we have to try things, and we have to try and be different, and we have to try and bring different energy and and things to the game. Like, you know, even segments wise, it's we we like to have, you know, Troy and I plan out certain things do we like this idea is this something we like to do one thing one of the segments we're trying to do we needed for years i've been trying to figure out a way to do a you got mossed type segment um it's you know one of those things that everybody knows right and it, so we started doing a, a segment called straight fire last year and i hope it i hope it sticks um we did it a few times it's just basically 90 seconds of great highlights but the goal for me in this segment, hopefully people listening uh, can clue in. We want people, we want everybody from junior football, youth sports football, high school football, anything. Send in your, send it us your plays. Send us your plays, and maybe they'll get featured on this segment on the CFL and TSN. And, and again, if you got a high school kid who's going to be on the CFL on TSN, maybe he he's going to tune in for that game because it's, he might be on it, and then maybe they become a fan. You know, those are the kind of ways that we're trying to build a younger fan base. And we got a few brought in, a couple of U Sports teams. I dug around for U Sports ones, but we I need more engagement from that. But it, again, just the start. But this is a segment that that I think will be interesting and hopefully grows an audience as well with it, not only being entertaining and. You know, our panel is able to present those things very, very well. And it's and it's quick. That's the thing. It's quick. It may translate to Sports Center. It definitely will translate to social. So those are the types of those are the types of segments that we plan out on a weekly basis and to try and come up with ideas for that on a weekly basis. How much communication do you have with the guys in the booth? Rod, Dwayne, Dustin, are they in on these meetings? Uh, generally, they are not. They have their meetings with uh, with the producers, the game producers. They all know what we're doing. Every week I send out kind of a CFL missive about what's coming up this week, what kind of content we have. Every game, you know, we're always asking 
our truck guys for stuff. You know what what uh, what players we want shot that we can show during our during our chats. Any sort of crowd shots that we need, any sort of tailgate shots that we need, um, interviews that we would need for a pregame. What a reporter like in our pregames, we always have the reporter first. We always go to the go to the stadium first and have the reporter come on. A lot of those things is how they get to know what we're going to do in the show, and that's all shared with the producers, the talent, with Rod, Dwayne, Glenn, um, Marshall, Dustin. They're all they're all in on these emails that we send out when we have our show lineup. They listen too, right? They listen to what we do. They can't always, they can't always see us, but they listen to what they're saying and and will respond. Rod, Rod especially is really good at that. That probably stems from Rod being a panel host right. for quite some time as well. Yeah, I've been, I've been in my fifteen years. I've been very fortunate for panel hosts when, when you have Dave Randorf and Rod Smith and Caperness and then James for the playoffs comes in and does stuff like it's. I'm blessed to have really really great hosts it's it makes it easy to work it makes it easy to do things when you know they can handle whatever you're going to throw at them what's involved in determining the players that get mic'd up for a game usually we i used to do that and now that's a separate uh entity now that's uh but we try and mic the quarterbacks every now our philosophy is to mic every quarterback both quarterbacks both games and then we try a person on defense. So it's generally a linebacker or something where we can get a lot of good good sound from because the sounds of the game has kind of changed over the years from a weekly show to kind of a – it's more – see, and this this is where the social aspect goes to it. We've That's kind of gone social, and then every month they'll have a big – they'll have a, uh, a monthly show that goes on TSN. So it, it's not a weekly show anymore, but it is more of a social share. So how many people are responsible to you for a broadcast? How, what's your crew size? We're basically, you know, the crew in the studio. We uh, we always have four cameras. We have a, usually have a lighting person. And then up in the control room, we got about 10 or 11 people. We got about 25 people that work on each broadcast from the studio perspective. And that's, is that like herding cats at times? <laughs> herding, herding the talent is... Sometimes harder than than getting everybody else on on board. There, everybody's pretty good, or may just be hurting me. Actually, sometimes it's like where's Jamie at? You know, it's it's a lot of people, and we need it though. You know, we got so many things coming in. The one thing we don't have is we don't have multiple games. We usually have one game at a time, and then sometimes with the double headers, you might get a little bit of overlap. It's what's different than hockey is we we get to focus on one game at a time pretty much. And then transition to another game if we have a doubleheader. We've got great crews that do a lot of good work. And it's not easy because nowadays we are we're really relying on our tape department um, to kind of cut everything. And we only have one of them. They cut all our rollings. They get all our stats and everything that comes from the truck. All that, you know, when we have a pregame and we have a list of players that's 10 to 15 long that they're getting in and they got to clip them. Put them in, put them in playlists and everything, and so that we can roll it out. Come, uh, come when the show starts. It's uh, it gets pretty busy. The tape department is very busy on a day, on a game game basis. How much would the job exponentiate if you did have games that were running at the same time? That part is, I would rather a game for me. I would rather a game end ten minutes early because our people can talk. We can talk about a game ending, throwing interviews. 
you know, and then transition to the next game. That's where communication is essential when you're communicating with, you know, it's me really running the ship to try and join these two games. I'm ta- I'm always talking to the second game's producer on whether we can hold kickoff for a couple of minutes, how, how the game's going. Because if it's coming down to the end, so when we, on a doubleheader, on a normal doubleheader, we have a, we usually have a 708, say it's an evening game, we have a 708 uh, kickoff, and then the next game is either 10 or 12 minutes after. So we have a little bit of a buffer a buffer for that but there are times when it gets really close where sometimes we have to if if we have to we have to double box the kickoff and then have Kate come in and say hey this game is on TSN 3 stay with us and then this game on TSN 1 will, will keep us until the game's over and then we'll head over to BC or wherever we're going that's where communication is with my, my production assistant who's talking to our master controls who need to who need to know what we're doing and then communicating with both trucks where we got to tell one truck to not talk and then pick it up. And then the other truck takes it um, on another station. It's just essential for the communication. Just be in order. We have protocols. We have protocols that are, that are out every day. And if we know where we can go, like every double header, I come in, I know I can, I know that TSN five is available to just be the second game. If it, if it overlaps. So we have a place to go. And then the other ones will stay with it, and then we'll join TSN five for the second game after. So we always know where we're, where we're, where we can go and be just the second game if need be. It doesn't happen that often, actually. Nowadays, more more times now with the overlap doubleheader, we just know that it's it's futile. The game's not going. The early game's not going to end in time to start after two and a half hours. We know we're starting on one station at nine thirty. And we're going, we do a little open there and, and they go off. It's just managing the time. That's all it is. And being calm. I've been with producers that aren't calm and that's not any way to go. If I panic, then everybody's panicking because I'm the one in charge. You know, you just take a breath and then you make quick decisions. It's, it's, those are the best parts because that's when you're, that's when you're actually producing because you're actually thinking on the fly. You're not looking at your your lineup and going, we're going here, here, and here. So like weather delays, for example. We are, that's just flying by the seat of our pants all the time because you can only prepare a certain amount of stuff for it. And we have a bunch of content that we can go to, but it's, guys, we're talking about this game for five minutes. And you're going to go, and then I'm going to have a plan in my head for the next block. So it's uh, that's the fun part, though. When you're doing stuff like that, that's live television fun. Are you able to be a fan at the same time as produce? Are there moments where you're like, holy crap, what just happened there? You can, you can, and we do. And if you, if we ever had a camera that just streamed of the reaction of the panel, sometimes like they're fans too. Like when a big play is happening, they're like up off their seats and they're yelling in, in the thing, but then you just got to regroup and say, okay, this is what you can be a fan for a second start especially on a play at the end of the game where they're coming to us or we're going live into sports center five minutes after the game ends. okay this was great but we have to uh we have to move on how much more difficult is a remote when you're actually at the stadium yeah it is it is stuff we always have a control room back at tsn where where we run we still run all our tapes and everything out of tsn but it's it you know it's it's a challenge because 
I'm now sharing a truck with our truck producer. So he's got to get in the chair to prepare for his game. I got to be in the chair to produce the show. Then he's got to get in to actually produce the game. So it's a lot of give and take. And it's it's a lot of communication. It's especially back there, you have to really be on it. And we have great people that work and are able to just follow along and do what happens. But it is, it's it's again, it's got to be communicated. And it's, you know, I got to communicate with John or Chris or Mike, the, you know, our tremendous truck producers and, and they got to know. And then I got to, the directors too, Don and Andy and Franklin, like they're directing a game too, as well as our stuff that we're doing. And I, they really need to know what we're doing. It's a lot of shuffling. It's a lot of shuffling in and out of chairs. It's not the easiest. It's not the way I would like to do things mostly, even though I love being at the stadium uh, for some of these games, but it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to do it because you're doing everything remotely. If we're, if we're doing Rollins, we're, we can show them a little bit, but only a certain time. You know, we can get them to see their Rollins, but we also got to get their attention because a lot of times the guys are watching the game from the sideline and then heading over to the set and they're communicating with me through text. Hey, can we get this shot, this shot, and this shot? And I'm sending that off to our tape department who's cutting that. And so they hop in the chair. They may have been on the sideline watching the game. Hurting hurting them on is tough sometimes because they want to be on the sideline watching the game, not in our, not necessarily on our set. So in stadium, uh, playoff games are a given. A couple other games throughout the season. Is it the right number of games that you're doing in stadium right now? Would you like to see more or less? Or is it a pretty good balance? I personally, you know, and again, we're all in budgets and 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 revenues and everything, but I would like to... I would like the panel to be on site at every stadium once a year would be my preference. You know, you get a sponsor and, and they, you know, a mini, how I would equate it as a mini college game day once in every stadium during the year. Again, it's a pipe dream as far as budget goes, budgets go these days, but I think that would be ideal. Grey Cup Sunday. Mm -hmm. How much effort does that take to pull that off? (laughs) Great Cup Sunday. So I've been doing that show for three years, five five hours. Um, it is a beast. You know, it used to be. You know, everybody's working with less people. So Troy and I are basically running during the playoffs all the content. We're taping hits during Great Cup week. We're at all the press conferences. Plus, he's producing Great Cup Saturday, and I'm producing Great Cup Sunday. We're doing everything, just two of us. It used to be four or five. You know, that lineup is a beast, putting that together and trying to give everybody the right amount of time, balance that time, ways to where we want to put features and everything. Plus, you're, you know, you're planning all those features, right? So, like, when we're doing, when James is sitting down with the coaches and when Matt's sitting down with the quarterbacks, I'm in those as well, writing down what they're saying and trying to help our guys back in Toronto who are cutting all these things to help them be easier. So, you know, it's a process. And and again, like we we have a guy, we have guys, Nick, Nick Romano and Stefan and and Blake Rubin. They save our they save us all the time. Guys like Jeff Kamada, they save us all the time. Javid Khan is a is a guy that works works with us a lot and does a lot of great stuff. He he edits his own stuff and he can edit his own stuff and he comes up with creative things and he's, he's brilliant at what he does. And he's been part of our, our crew the last couple of years 
you know, we don't get to air without those guys at all. It's tough. Like we, cause those, those things happen on Wednesday or Thursday. Now it happened a day earlier, you know, you get those in and those guys are cutting things on Friday and Saturday. So we're getting that stuff Sunday, sometimes maybe late Saturday. Um, even the features, the big features that we do, you know, you try and do as much in advance, but you don't know the teams until the week before. So some of those interviews are being done week of. And so our great features producers, you know, Tracy and Rob Dunn and, and Matt Dunn and Simon and all the, I'm missing people. I guarantee it. Craig Chambers and Matt Cade and Matt Dorman, like these guys are, are amazing and, and can turn around things very quickly. And it's important that we do. And, you know, that show again, the, the, word, the one thing I worry about in that show the most is making sure we time out field pass because you need every player on there, how we do field pass day before we have a big meeting. So Saturday night, we have a big production meeting with everybody. So everybody that's involved with Glenn and Rod as well and John Ides and Andy Bayoukas and all the, everybody that's involved. I break off with the panels and we do drafts. We do a draft. It's like a fantasy draft of who they want to talk about for field pass. And that's the order. And that's how many, you know, we try and get, there's like seven, seven people usually. So we try and get, you no know, six, six people. So we try and get six each. So 36 players, but all 36 of those players need to be on the field. So that's like trying to time that out to make sure that everybody's on the field. And sometimes the Winnipeg blue bombers, they kind of drag their drag people late and <laughs> You know, you have to add to commercial breaks and and maybe you have to move something. It's it's a that one is that one's if once we get that over, the show, the rest of the show goes fine. And everything before that is is a piece of cake. Usually if I can get the commissioner where he needs to be for his interview and we can get field pass taken care of, those are the two, those are the two stretches. The commission has never missed. So he's fine. But you know, we this year, especially with field pass, we had to add minute and a half to of breaks to make sure the defense was on the field before we went and you know the last year before i had to go into matt dunnigan's ear and say matt he is not here go to your next one we'll come back to him and we did this year adam big hill one of the guys so we had to go to a shot of him in the locker room we finally got a shot of him in the locker room so it's just it's a lot of shuffling and and our director don and they have a they have a list. They have the list and what cameras these players are going to be on. So if you jog that list, now they got to figure out where. So it's that one is a beast, and that communication has to has to happen. And I'm now saying I got to go to Green. And the first year we hit it a home run, and then you knew it wasn't going to be like that every other year. So it's it's a matter of catching up. Now you you talked about doing a, a on site at every CFL stadium in a season. What else would you like to see TSN do better with the CFL? I think we just got to keep evolving. You know, we can't just sit our preview show and our control shows. I always strive to change, change it up, change the paces, all that stuff. Um, I just think we need to keep evolving with the times, try new things. Everybody will say we don't do it. I know what they say about us. We don't do enough, which I I just don't agree with. Sorry, man. I, I do it every day. So I know what we do. You know, we have a certain amount of resources and we stretch them to the limit to try and get as much content as we can out there. Could we do more content? Sure. But it's got to be smart content. It can't just be content to be content. It really has to be something 
that is going to matter and people are going to watch because why else are we doing it? Then we're just throwing stuff on, on digital or on social and nobody's watching it. We need, it needs to be smart content. Every year I'm trying to think of new ideas that'll entertain people and that'll resonate with fans of all ages because, you know, some people want a whole bunch of analysis, but then some people don't want that. So you have to find that mix always. So from our, from my perspective, I think you just, you have to keep evolving and you can't be stagnant in the product. There's a few words to describe what goes on. You have to be nimble, creative, communicative, and agile. That's exactly it. It's a, uh, you got to listen to, you got to listen to what Rod and Dwayne and all our analysts are saying and Glenn and, and Dustin and Marsh and Matt, when he's in, when he's in the booth and Lapo, when he was in the booth, you got to listen to those guys because they might have something that you might want to revisit in halftime. I listen to the panelists, non like I have my listen on to them all the time. And if they say something, who knows if we can use it? It's, it's important to listen and you listen to the players, what they're saying. If there's something, again, athletes don't say a, a lot of things a lot of times. Sometimes they're going to say something and you got to take that and then we can, and then we can roll with it. That's that's a big thing too for a producer. You got to listen. Bo Levi Mitchell's comments after the playoff loss this year probably a, a huge one for you. Right, exactly. That. Again, Bo Bo is going to be an incredible member of the TSN panel at some point. He's great to work with. He's a great guy, and he's got ideas. Those are the things you're listening for. And you you can react to because that's something you can talk about that everybody's talking about. So why wouldn't we? If if we are all talking about it as fans, and again, you gotta, you can't just be every fan base. Every fan base has their own little things to talk about within their own little groups. But if everybody around the CFL is talking about it, we have to be. Jamie, where can people find and follow you on the socials? I am Jamie Rattle TSN on Twitter, uh, Jamie Rattle on Instagram. My kids won't allow me to be on TikTok, so I'm not on TikTok. Too old, as they say. You know, you can follow the CFL and TSN, but, um, and again, like if people are out there listening, you're playing football, you make a great play, send me, send me your, send me your highlights and we can hopefully at least look at it and see if we pick it for the segment. And maybe we even do it. Like my thought is maybe we even do a digital version of it that just runs on digital. We have four plays that run on the broadcast, but we got 15 that run digitally. I'm happy to talk CFL football with people and I have with fans at times um, who ask questions. I try and be as honest as I can be, but yeah, always willing to listen. And if you're, if you're just doing the same thing, you're not, you're not doing the right thing. So we strive to try and be different every show um, and every year. Better flag football career yourself or James Duffy? Oh, probably James. He played with some CFL players. I, I just want a third under U13 Housley title. Jimmy was playing with Ty Cats. So Jay Death probably has, has me on that one. Don't tell him. I hope he doesn't I hope he doesn't hear that because I'll never hear the end. <laughs> Jamie Rydell, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Really appreciate it. That was fun. It was fun, guys. Thanks a lot. listening to our show third down gamble is hosted on podbean and can be found on apple podcasts google podcasts and spotify follow us on twitter at third down gamble join us again the third down gamble podcast 
audio worth watching. Third Down Gamble uses the expert resources provided by Canadian Football League player and game statistics for analytics, game notes, and statistics, and 3downnation.com for news, insight, and in-depth analysis. Please visit cfl.ca and 3downnation.com for the most up-to-date information on the Canadian Football League.